what's the difference between a person who has a heroin addiction and a food addiction? We're so quick to throw people under the bus for having a heroin addiction, mm-hmm. but you could say that people have a food addiction, so that's the lens in which I look at, is that they're all equal. Holding my head again Making my way through crowded thoughts Sometimes it's hard to get out of it Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Please Blow My Mind with me, your humble host, Will Fleming. I want to thank you for joining us to ponder life together, to go on this voyage of discovery together. And that's the aim, is to explore life, is to talk to one another, to try and understand how can we relieve some of the tension that leans on us with life. You know, what I mean by that is how much of it are we under control of and how much of it do we just need to kind of relinquish the support, if you know what I mean, like outsource it, that it's not just us having to hold up the universe because, man, it can feel like it sometimes. And I I guess this voyage of discovery for me is trying to bridge some of those gaps. What does it mean to live a thoughtful life? What is the maximum amount of love versus pain to help you merge into something yeah, useful in life. It's a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? We we we're constantly having to grapple with this, and so my way of kind of processing that is to bring people onto the podcast that that maybe can't answer it, but sit there with me to at least have a go. And I feel like that's the meaning of human life sometimes to at least have a go, or you know. It feels like that's the climax of every big film, or, or at least the moment where, for the hero, it nearly doesn't work out, and then and then they just have hope, they have faith in something that something will reveal itself. And like I kind of like take that stuff to heart, and I kind of think something reveals itself during my conversations with people. Like this level gets unlocked, and we're able to feel that and implement that and and just ponder that somewhere in this consciousness my guest on the podcast today is tony nelson he's an interesting cat he is an interesting cat he is my son's maths teacher and i connected with tony during lockdown to be like hey man how can i better help my kid with maths and he sent me this kind of thoughtful you know heartfelt email that I, I I guess I had removed teachers from having feelings and whatnot and um, it was just a nice surprise to hear someone who thought deeply about things and tried to compact that into emails and that's when my podcast radar went off and I was like oh here we go I need to talk to this person so when I hit Tony up to be a guest on the podcast I said hey man I'm not sure why I want to talk to you but I want to talk to you, and if you're open, I'd love to invite you over to um, have a have a deep conversation, and and that we did. So, a couple things just to kind of uh, what's the what's the um, bait you? Is that the, that's, that sounds like a not a nice way to say it? Wet your appetite, maybe to entice you. That's what I'm trying to do, entice you into the episode. Tony's from Kentucky, I believe it was. He's uh, got a a, pa- a past in um, the US Navy we kind of get into that a little bit 
as I learnt during the podcast, he had this massive weight loss journey as well, which is interesting. And I guess one of the things that I took away from the conversation is that like he's got this kind of stubbornness or fuel and it's like where does that come from and are we all embedded with that or is it the obstacles we overcome in life that fuels that and so Tony and I kind of sit on that point and ponder that point and have an awesome chat and I, I'm going to bring Tony to you right now and just before we do that I want to say thank you all for joining me every week you blow my mind you truly do and you blow my mind because you give me something fun to do that I really enjoy and I really do enjoy podcasting so that said let us get into the episode with Tony Nelson enjoy this week's podcast I actually had this thought today, Tony, that for most of history, things weren't written down. There was no press conferences for life. It Mm. was, let's size each other up through other than verbal, and then we'll either work out to help each other float or we'll sink. And that was the general rule. And I think we're at this place now where things are pretty brutal, you know, we're being overstimulated with everything online. We're probably being understimulated with things like movement and whatnot. So you find yourself at my place tonight and we're about to have this conversation. So I just want to say thank you, mate. For no, serious, serious. Yeah. Appreciate that. There's so much I want to know about you and so much I don't know about you. Here's what I know. You're a teacher. Yeah. You teach maths. Yes. Um, but I don't know, how did you end up in New Zealand? Can we start there? Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> That's a story and a half. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, look, I've always been interested in politics Mm. and since i was 17 18 years old i got the the bug you know that was just passionate and served me well Mm. Uh, there was election um where someone got re-elected um and i made the decision to i'm i'm done Mm. um i'm leaving the usa um and started the internet search of you know because i was going to go into teacher training Mm. so i just finished my graduate degree my master's and i was looking where can i get my teacher training Mm. and i fell into new zealand and and i left because of politics and to get teacher training and that's where uh, how i landed now tell me because Obviously, I'm from New Zealand, but I'm aware how New Zealand is portrayed overseas. Yeah. Lord of the Rings, greenery. What was that reality for you arriving here? I didn't even know where it was on the map. So you were that keen just to get out? Yeah. And and what kind of time frame are we talking? We're talking the election. So is this uh, around 2016? So, uh, no, 2005. Gotcha. You know, so Bush... I got a second term, mm. um, and by then the politics was really beginning a very, yeah, very nasty and dirty. Mm. You know that if you have uh, 
of the Adiran who as a three uh, three amputees, you know, he's both legs and one arm, mm. and the politics about his patriotism mm. came out on the other side, and I was just like, how can you, you know, and that really left a sour taste uh, in my mouth, and, mm. um, and of course some of the cabinet members, so. You wanted out? Yeah, yeah. Um, was that a is it a family or friend conversation or is that just a Tony decision? That's a Tony decision. <laughs> That's a ballsy move, eh? Yeah, yeah. Do you look back on that and think, "Whoa, that was I'm proud of me." Yeah, and you know the thing is, is I've always been that way. Mm. Where um, I used to live in the state of Virginia, and um, one party ruled the state house, the state senate, and the two senators and the governor's mansion, one party ruled all. And they were making rules that I so disagreed with mm. that I actually moved out of the state of Virginia into the district to get away from that. So I've always been principled. Mm. You could say it's irrational, mm. um, but I'm, I stood firm in my beliefs. Do you get the feeling, is that nasty politics following you around the world? I mean, is your sense that it's coming here? This, uh, you know? Yeah. N- not until this year with the this lockdown and the protest. Mm. I didn't see it coming, but I still would say your politics is pretty bl- lame, I guess. <laughs> you know, it's it's very... Yeah, yeah, it's uninspiring in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. which is good. Yeah. I'm not complaining, yeah. Yeah. you know, but it's just very, there's not too much difference between the parties. Mm. I mean, some some change differences, but not a lot. Mm. Um, do you, well, I guess like we speak past tense because we live in this COVID era now, but going back to the States, is that a thing? No. Like, have you been back? I I have not been back. No? And I probably will not really? go back. So it was like you pulled that ladder up as you <laughs> climbed yeah. out. Basically, I sold everything, liquidated everything. And actually, I am a New Zealand passport carrier now. Mm. So, uh, And how our system works is you have to pay the U.S. government money to renounce your citizenship. <laughs> Which is equivalent to like eight or ten thousand dollars, and I'm like, well, I guess I'll keep my U.S. passport, but <laughs> I will probably travel under the New Zealand passport. Mm. So, proud to be a Kiwi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, um, I heard something recently, and it was not directly applicable, but Will Smith, you know, the actor, and yeah. he was going to make pursuit for happiness pursuit of happiness that's right yeah yeah and uh the director i believe was italian yeah and they based this film on these kind of you know uh, on a real story but this director said i want to direct this film he couldn't speak english and he had a translator and he said why do you want to direct this film it's nothing about you it's about a you know black man who is homeless and you know works his way to the top he says because you americans can't see how beautiful the american dream is you need other people to see that for you. And I sometimes, how I'm, what I'm trying to get to is what did you see in New Zealand that many of us around here don't see? Yeah. Um, 
it's rather interesting. I think I got sucked into the website Teaching Zed, and I kept trolling through there, and it attracted me that they kept using the word lifestyle. <laughs> and for the like of me, I did not understand what that word meant. <laughs> and no matter how much I read and I Google searched and YouTubed and all that stuff, and I guess, you know, I was born in Kentucky and ran away from home when I was 19, joined the Navy, bang, to get away from the small town. But for some reason at that moment in time, living in a quaint small town appealed to me, which goes against everything, you know, I've done the last three decades. So, so it was a lifestyle, quaint town, being a teacher, knowing the families, knowing that connection, um, and I didn't understand anything else. Mm. You know, I think that was driving me. Yeah. Uh, to my direction. Yeah, just that call call to adventure a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. How long ago was that? 2005, did you say? Uh, yeah, I arrived here February, uh, no, January 2006. Mm. And I spent um, a year in Auckland uh, going to uh, get my graduate diploma from Auckland Uni to teach. So I had my bachelor's, mm. I had my master's, and I had about three quarters of a second bachelor's in literature. So I had every intent of being a teacher and teaching primary school. Mm. Um, and my graduate diploma is in primary teaching. I did that three or four years and realized not this ain't for me. And then I jumped up to uh, college level teaching. Wow. So, um, what's it like with, you know, I guess I ask as a dad, but also as a person who, you know, most parents send their kids away to school. Yeah. And you inherit them for a few hours a day. Yeah. Is it, um, I don't know, one of the ideas is do you kind of feel like you ever win that battle? Or is it a battle not to be won? Yeah, and I think it depends on how you look at it. Mm. I mean, my thinking has transpired or kind of mm. changed over time. So I went from a primary school to a decile one school in South Auckland. Mm. And staring poverty in the face, that's, you know, with adjunct, yeah. That was a wake-up call because I realized that solving the poverty issue is more complicated. And there's so many things that sit underneath that. Mm. And hunger, and they arrive to school, and they need to be fed. And mm. um, for whatever reasons, um, you can say it's the parents' fault, but reality, do you want a hungry child in your classroom? Yeah. But... I, I was searching for a better connection to the, the community and the child and the parent. And that's when this job came up six years ago. Um, mm. I chose this uh, school and got the interview and got shortlisted and, you know, and I accepted the job. So I think what challenges that I see now is being in a small rural town, being a teacher, 
I have to be so careful about relationships with parents, yeah. you know? And so my professional and personal life is intersecting mm. and that makes it different. And you could say that's the American side of me mm. uh, talking, but I kind of like my whole adult life. I was anonymous. I lived in a condominium building on the 10th floor with another 15 or 20 apartments and I didn't even know anybody that lived close to me and now everybody knows who I am even the people I don't know know who I am you know so it's a bit daunting because if you have a professional problem Mm. I can't really unload so I have to keep it inside so that's the negative the positive is is that you you know the family i think i know your values <laughs> but the reality your values doesn't transfer to your son that's right and so what i've learned through these years mm. is that i can't take my knowledge of you and expect this from your child because he is going to be the person he's going to be that's right and i think that is probably the the most challenging thing about being a teacher in a small town yeah you know is separating my knowledge of you and your child and scratching your head they don't meet up yeah yeah you know what you just walked us through is such a delicate and i think we have lost something if we can't what am i trying to say that information about or the revelation that a child shouldn't be who their parent is I think a lot of people forget that Mm. I think it's there'll be elements of that we have rituals and systems in the household or unconscious ones maybe but how freeing would that be for everyone just to sit down at the beginning of the year and say you don't have to be me yeah and and you go and be you and we'll try and work this out and i I want, I you know I wonder and I think most times that conversation doesn't happen. No. So you're privy to more than just the information you're teaching. You you can kind of see who they might be. Yeah. And you know that is an interesting dynamic that um if if anything a teacher should be more empowered to say, "Hey, I've made some observations, but I get the sense that that's not the case." No, and you have to be mindful about have you how you have those conversations mm, with parents mm. you know um you learn to package things in a way that's positive oh by the way can you help me in this one area mm. um because you can put the parent on the back foot yeah and that's the last thing that you want is to damage your relationship with the parent mm. you know it's it's a very you know, and I'm very mindful about how to go about that. I I probably do less of it now because it's so emotionally draining. Absolutely. To make that phone call. Yeah. Um. So yeah. But that I think that's where my question, the depth of it is, that the job that you, let's say you get it right with one child or you get close with another. And then next year, there's a new cohort. Yeah. And so it's trying to work out, wow, what's my role here? You know, as a parent, eventually, you stop having kids. 
and you yeah. got what you got. Yeah. And then it's your job to not screw it up more or, you know. Right, yeah. But as a teacher, I think um, incredibly, like you say, what if you're like you and you just want to connect? So now there's boundaries and, yeah, that's a tricky one. But one that um, I hope people do think about, you know. Yeah, I don't think people understand the levels that sit underneath that. Yeah. Um, what I don't don't particularly like is if I have a deeper relationship with the family and their son or daughter in my classroom and the friends that she chooses that gets your back up mm. and I'm like keeping your mouth shut or <laughs> seeing things that you wish you hadn't seen yeah. or experienced and so not being able to express yourself to the parent mm. that is where that professional boundaries end but it's always in the back of your mind Absolutely. you know that you can't park it I I've probably gotten better with it over time uh, so mm, that's interesting uh, what was it like when you're can we talk about Navy for a yeah. hot minute like how long were you in the Navy? 10 years. Really? Yeah. Do a lot of your students know that? A few do, I would yeah. say. They're fascinated? Cause, yeah. A little bit. This is, you know, oh, did you kill anybody? Or did you shoot anybody? I says, no, I, I had a computer programming job that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, 10 decks below water, you know? <laughs> I barely got to see daylight. <laughs> um, I think what is fascinating is, is they didn't realize, ah, there's a hundred jets on an aircraft carrier that there's 5,000 people mm. that have four mess decks and it's 12 on 12 off seven days a week yeah. um, and there's some other funny stories in there you know like um, Wog Day you know Equator do you know anything about uh. so if you if a ship crosses the equator the ship literally stops in dead water and basically has this huge ceremony of initiating the people who have not crossed the equator before. Wow. Um, so, um, yeah, they basically haze you is, is what happens. <laughs> and it gets qu quite brutal. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think one of the things I've always been fascinated with, you know, that like army or something like that, is there seems to be you there's rituals you know I've, yeah. I've started thinking about rituals more like just to give you a bit of context i'm i'm from a pacific island mother and a kiwi father and raised in a version of new zealand which didn't ask much from me you know you enjoy the outside you probably ate too much trying to find your way in this world's pretty brutal it's cutthroat yeah, yeah so i've had to relearn wow what's my why i don't and i think a lot of 40 year olds in New Zealand are a bit like that you know we grew up when yeah most of our influences were American films and British comedy and it didn't really prepare us for what the generation before or this next one is being prepared for which yeah, is yeah. like the rug can be pulled away yeah and you look at things like you know army or navy and their structure you know and it's um pretty tough to actually find the structure like as I just laid out but uh, I've started to think about maybe 
you know you don't have to go to the army but you can look at old rituals that they have maybe breathing rituals or um, you know lots of people including myself do saunas and, and cold baths and yeah. trying to kind of reconnect do you have any version of that is there things that you've picked up over the years which become part of your either daily or weekly or yearly rituals I would say um, daily routine is it's interesting when I was in college I was the only bloke who opted in keyboarding. <laughs> and I was learned, you know, touch typing back in the day. It did not pay off until I got into the Navy because oftentimes as soon as you arrive on the ship, you get put into like the mess decks for 90 days or cleaning birthing areas for 90 days and then you come to the division to do your work and your, your training. Because I had keyboarding experience and I was efficient and high speed, um, they put me in the lieutenant's office. Mm. And, um, and I think that guided me in a very structured way that probably kept me on a straight and narrow path is mm. that I had to serve him and the mission of that division and that probably developed me more than anything that probably holds true today really? is that I'm very I'm very routine I'm 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 very on the fact this is the way things are yeah. you know um and it's it has its negative sides i would say i'm very linear i'm i'm not flexible mm. it's you know straight line um but i'm in my personal and my gymming it works for me having that overdeveloped sense of structure mm. is probably and my eating is has helped me, you know. Uh, I would say the negative is is that I can get quite wound up if right. things. Oh yeah, I, I when things go to custard, I can really yeah. feel I'm not coping. That anxiety hits, and mm. so that's the negative. I mean, I can remember two years, yeah, 2019. Um, I was checking in a hotel. And my room wasn't ready, and I needed an appointment across town, and I couldn't work out the fact that, well, I could leave my luggage in there and take a taxi across town. Well, as it turns out, I missed my appointment. And that caused a cascading of panic. Oh, my God, the world's coming to an end. And then I had... <laughs> this huge briefing I had to go to after that and I was just that whole evening I was spiraling so there's that negative side the mm. dark side you would call mm. that you I can't work through you know how to navigate around those obstacles wow, that's interesting and you put that to the, the the kind of keyboard typing role do you think that unlocked that or do you think you were, you were always like that I think it unlocked it. Hmm, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Because that's luck in some ways that that happened. Yeah. And that's I think about that all the time. I'm like, how many of those 
let's say, foundation pillars or... Well, and do they exist in today's world? Is there the opportunity to unlock that, you know, in a world of opportunity? Because that's what our kids are being sold. Yeah. I mean, I do a, a little bit of teaching myself at tertiary level, and it's all opportunity. You could be this. Have you thought it make a difference? You yeah, know? and you don't know what you don't know until you that's dabble right. in it. That's and right. that's probably the biggest thing. Um, like, recently I started teaching business uh, course and accounting awesome. and um, economics I would have never thought in a million years mm. that I would enjoy teaching the business courses and the accounting more than the math side never mm. in my life did I see that coming um, so you learn things by experiencing and you know my contract states I'm a math teacher. I don't need, you can't force me contractually to teach something I don't want. Mm. But the reality is, it's, I'm thriving, you know? I, the school had a need, I put my hand up, and it's led to, wow, is this is what it's about? And I, gain pleasure and what I find teaching that course also is most boys will only in mass classes they will only do enough to pass nothing more where the boys who arrive in my business courses actually go the extra step Hmm. that they're trying to pass with a higher mark like a merit or excellence Mm. and their writing is spot on so yeah. i'm seeing two types of male <laughs> students yeah. that are chalk and cheese to each other yeah there's something about they must be trying to serve you like you were serving your you know yeah um what, what was the role of your senior at in, in the navy oh he's a lieutenant right. division officer because the way you explained it was like you had the skill yeah and that niche that superior whatever needed and i like that idea i like that I sometimes get the feeling when I'm doing the media stuff with my students that, yes, it's interesting for them. And I spend a lot of time trying to explain that this is the way the future's going. But they're like, hey, what do you think of my work? Yeah, interesting stuff, eh? Fascinating. Because mm-hmm. it's like, uh, you know, we're trying to, I don't know, let's talk about meaning. And, you know, I heard something... Um, Damn, it's Will Smith again. It's because I'm listening to his audiobook, right? Yeah. Quite a fascinating audiobook for a man who for 50 years hid basically his fear of life and failing mm. and built this character, which we all know, which is the alien fighting yeah. hero. But really inside he was shit scared, you know? And I think that's an interesting... I didn't know what to make of it. I was like, oh man, I thought you were one of the honest ones will but of course it was a well-crafted machine so he had this idea that the question he avoided was what do you worship and i was like man that's like almost a rude question to ask someone i Mm -hmm. thought about it in the podcast you know how do you ask someone that but when i thought about it some more i'm like yeah that is an interesting question because we worship something yeah yeah you know whether it be the god of climate change or fairness Mm. Um, and I think most people still tie that word to some religious structure 
but yeah I, I wondered about like you know that is an interesting point right that what world do we live in where you can't really ask someone what's on the deep maybe the way to ask it is if I asked you what on the deepest of deep levels what's your thoughts on you know why we're here what's the mm. deal are we the you know stardust and yeah um I am if you talk about faith wise spiritual wise you know um again my um stubbornness came, has come out and it's <laughs> past um my family was Southern Baptist, mm. and when I was 17, I converted to Catholicism. Right. And uh, so I went through all of that ceremony and stuff. And, you know, um, so that's part of me, you know. And so um, am I a regular churchgoer? No. But if you talk about that thing that, drives me now today is probably health and well-being yeah and what does that look like and fitness that sits underneath all of that and what i'm struggling with is i've got that now for myself that gift um how do you pass that on how do you inspire and lift up because and and maybe you could say I have an overdeveloped sense of that because I went from weighing 200 kgs to being a competitive athlete bodybuilder. So you could say the pendulum was swung this way, but when I look into the eyes of students who are sitting in your classroom and it's how they sit, how they engage in their learning, what sits underneath that is a, are they getting enough sleep? Hmm. Are they eating properly? Um, and their fitness levels. Because what I find is the healthier and the more I train and the more I learn how to pick up the game on every lift I have makes me, my ability to, my capacity to do more work and it more efficiently improves and increases mm. year on year. Yeah. And how do you pass that on? How do you, when you see a colleague who is struggling physically or emotionally, how do you have that conversation? So mm. that's probably what I probably worship the most yeah. is, is that, you know, and I haven't quite worked out how to move forward with that mm. you know um, because I think everybody has to find their own journey in life I mean I was in quite dire shape you know a decade ago I mean dire um, I probably have one foot in the grave and how what made me dig myself out of that hole to be the person I am today yeah. I don't know the answer really? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you could say it's fear of dying, you know. Um, but there has to be more to it because addiction, I mean, seriously, in a four-hour period from 3.30 to 7.30, this is what I used to eat. Mm. I used to drive down the motorway, stop in the McDonald's, 
and eat six Big Macs in about 10 minutes. Get in the car, drive home, get out of my car, walk across the street, and get two 12-inch Subway sandwiches, fizzy drink, biscuits, da-da-da. And then, an hour and a half, two hours later, used to go down to New World, buy a loaf of bread, um, six of those Angus burgers, a jar of aioli, a bag of chips, fizzy drink, and I ate all of it in one meal. And I was doing that six and seven days a week. Tony, that was in New Zealand when you were... Yes. So we, you big when you came from the States? Yes. Okay, so this was a bit of a progression. Yeah. Amplified whilst here. Yeah. So I was a big person. So I arrived here weighing in 200 kgs. Were you big in the Navy? No. But I was abusing food in the Navy. Right. You know. But you were probably... Well, they reckon I was a runner then. Yes. I used to run about 20, 20 miles a day. Yeah. Um, but I was abusing food. Yeah, and I've heard like chess players and people who use a lot of brain capacity burn through calories. So you might have been doing that with the, yeah. the high end. Have you traced that back like just in your thought and your thinking? I think... Um, Growing up as a child, my mother had major mental health issues. Gotcha. You know, and I think it is connected to Mm. that and that self-loathing and self-harm and all of that stuff that makes a person and then just carries on. And I think once you get, you know, I remember many times that, you know, my mother gave me a choice, eat your vegetables or get a hiding. Hmm. I chose the hiding mm. because I wasn't going to eat that vegetable. Mm. I was going to have some more mashed potatoes. Yeah. Now, what in a five-year-old makes a person to, and I'm talking about hidings where she left blood, mm. you know, from the belt and rubbed salt on it. So it was quite extreme yep. abuse. What made that part of me, that addiction, so cemented that you're going to give me the mashed potatoes and I'm going to dig in and I refuse to eat that green stuff. Mm. I'm like, you have to think about that. And I'm like, don't know the answer to that, you know? Um, But somewhere her abuse to me led me to seek comfort in the food that I needed to feel good about myself. Yeah. What a... What a ride! What a journey! Because I've been following your social media. You've—I got the feeling you've just come off a big um, run yeah. uh, in terms of you know dieting and training, and yeah. you had some professional photos done because I read a few of the posts. Um, and everyone, you know, this is the thing about life, hey? Eh? Everyone looks at that and they're like, "Oh, good on you," but it's like, no, you're working through it. Yeah, this is the act of control. Yeah, and the healing and the progressing. Absolutely, it's a hundred percent. Is is with the COVID thing in twenty twenty. So twenty nineteen, um, I changed federations to the WBFF mm-hmm. and took out top prize for that. And I like my physique a hundred percent. 
and 2019, uh, so 2020, 2021, mm. the WBFF competition got paused because of COVID. I needed that thing to work towards because both years has been very difficult on me. And I said, well, I'm going to do a photo shoot 20 uh, last year and this year. And that was the thing that kept me focused, that mm. kept me. And I need that thing. Um, and so that was my plan B, um, is to do the photo shoot. And and went through the bulking phase, the, re, uh, the cutting phase. So I dropped... Um, 12 kgs from 94 down to 82 kgs mm -hmm. for that photo shoot. Um, and then I have a stylist uh, who helps me coordinate my outfits and stuff. So I went to him and I says, okay, because I've been stalking him for the last three or four <laughs> years actually, is that he went from Hallensteins to politics to working style and I followed him around, you know, and he does my entire wardrobe. So we, I took photos for him to remember. I says, okay, new photo, new photo shoot. Here's what I got in my closet. Let's put things together. And he complimented some other stuff. You can wear this with that. So that's what you're seeing on mm. social media. So there's a lot of story behind that because I don't know how to dress myself. <laughs> I don't know what matches and what's cool or not mm. so it's fascinating it's fascinating and kind of looping back around that's something worth worshipping you know and I'm sure oh, sure is a strong word I think that historically if you think about how we had relationships with gods it was more in line with that yeah you know I mentioned the um, fascinated with um, breathing you know that is something that it's like uh, if you look through these ancient cultures, those were the, the pillars, you know, that if you didn't breathe properly, you didn't think properly. And if you look at some of the native um, or First Nations, it was like keep the mouth closed at all times. The yeah. bad stuff gets let in if you're not breathing through your nose. But I thought there's this real link to, you know, maybe what we have interpreted as spirituality. The original gods, like the real old ones, were gods of air you know yeah. and that's actually yeah that's worth breathing if you don't look after that ask someone who's um got covid it attacks your breathing it's gonna reduce you to zero quick yeah and, and a quick moment because mm. uh, is it from like 98 percent to 95 percent right. that your life is in danger that's right i'm like it doesn't take much of a shift no you know and mm. you think drowning well drowning happens in a heartbeat because once that water's in your lungs, that life is there. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's been a learning journey. And I think um, I, I can't live without the, 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 the gym, the, that, that thing, that challenge. But it's also, it's about what could I be doing better? Mm. I'm always looking for, is that lift the best technique is it serving my purpose you know is am i working as hard as i think i am could i be you know you're always constantly critiquing self-critiquing and i find pleasure in that you know that now i'm not happy with what i did mm. you know and improving from there what relaxes you 
when does the self the internal version can you turn that off yeah basically when i get home around 4:35 p.m. i have like a 2 hour block where i just netflix and just outsource yeah and i just like you know i'm watching like six or seven different series right now on netflix and it was just it just de-escalates me you know mm. and uh yeah so i also see you walk quite a bit don't you yeah that was because i was cutting and uh, it was not by choice because <laughs> me and walking do not like each other <laughs> is that right no we're bitter enemies <laughs> and um my nutritionist you know says you need to meet this certain amount of steps and i hate every single minute really yeah so i was walking about during lockdown uh about 10 kilometers a day okay and i used to do it early in the morning and just go for a long walk and then come in and do my training so mm. i bought like three thousand dollars worth of gym equipment to put in my garage to train and um and I just found now nah, I'm I'm going to train, park it, finish it, and then I'll go on short little stunts around the neighborhood, which is probably why you saw me so much. Is I just walk around the block, go back in, walk around the block, go back in, mm. you know, pull a weed, cook a meal, or something like that. So just to break up the monotony. But yeah. I hate the cardio side of it. Yeah, yeah, that's a. That's a tough one to consolidate, right? Because that's probably as well. That's next on the list after. Well, that would be third. It's eating, gymming, and the cardio. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, that's a. <laughs> and you you need all three, um, and the the gymming is about progressive overload. So if you are in a cut, meaning you're in a calorie deficit, and you're like eight weeks into this. To put a bar on your back, shoulders, and to be squatting as heavy as you can requires a certain amount of stubbornness. Yes. Because I I can remember several times over the comps, I used to break down into tears when I got in that squat rack. And I just said, I, I, I can't do this. But you push through it. You don't back off. You push through it and just you do it, you know? It's the thing that I've thought about for 300 episodes of the podcast. It's like how much of, let's call it the burden of history, is necessary to squat the damn thing when you don't want to. Yeah. It seems it's an absolute brutal equation. Yeah, absolutely. I won't squat it. Yeah. Because I don't, I can't muster the stubbornness. Yeah. Maybe I'm working towards it, coming with age, but there's you summon that. Yeah. What the hell? I don't know what to make of it. Well, it, com- it comes up again and again on the podcast. Different guests, that version of events. Yeah. And I'm yeah. Well, and I guess I see myself. I mean, if you think back to what it was being obese, is high blood pressure, diabetic. Uh, high cholesterol. I was on crutches. I fecal incontinence, sleep apnea, all of that stuff. My feet were turning black. I was 
my feet were numb, I was falling down versus a person who is squatting now. So that is the transition. So when I step up and ready to say, no, this ain't going to happen, I actually reflect back and there's always regret. You look back four decades of abusing food, then that is the motivation to say, no, I'm going to do this. Um, never, only once that I can remember that I said, F this, I'm walking out. I got to go home because this isn't for me. Only once mm-hmm. in the 10, 10 years that I've been gymming. So. Yeah. I mean, there's probably no answer to this, but maybe a talking point is, you know, what's the role of that as a teacher at school, you know, yeah. to let the future of tomorrow sit in the disappointment sometimes and saying it'll it'll fuel you one day. Yeah. Because it's like we, I don't know if this is a real thing, but I get the feeling it's like, no, let's pull everyone away. Let's keep them safe. You hear that word quite often at the moment, safety, cautious. It's like, yeah, but wasn't the deal that if you got through it, <laughs> you'd you'd be like the guitar fingers. You have a callus from it. Yeah. And um, hard to know what to do with that, you know? Because I, I guess you're saying it's like that's the resilience when life gets tough. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and this this year uh, I had one stream of math students who I bonded really well with mm-hmm. because we talked about gymming and lifting and stuff. And usually I try to keep that part of my life sealed off from the students, you know. A, I don't friend parents, mm. except for you, of course. <laughs> and I don't um, let students friend me and all that stuff. So I try to keep that boundary mm. between. This is the first year. So every, you know, I um, record some lifts and I do update photos to send to my coach and nutritionist. And this is the first year that I actually shared with those students Mm. uh, that was interested because, and, you know, even though we're not supposed to use phones, you know, sir, can I I take my phone off and show you, you know, how shredded I'm getting or, Mm. you know, Mm. and and they do that. And that's a conversation. And I've learned how to stop that conversation and move on back to learning. But there is that bond that doesn't, that didn't exist. And so, from there, you would say that builds resilience because then they can see a 60-year-old man getting up at 3.15 in the morning to go train for two, two hours plus, mm. you know, and that's part of the conversation, you know, and then that feeds them for to work harder to push them further. But then what I found is, is in the business course, I've learned how to change some of the standards that I'm teaching to blend in athletes. What is an athlete? And interviewing the first 15 and getting them to reflect on, this is Tony, this is the athlete, and then they go and do their research and stuff and how to build 
an understanding of why isn't that student who just, eh, it's training, eh, you know, but they love the Saturday games. Mm. So they're going through the motions. They're not really participating in the training, but they're so keen to do the rugby match. I says, so now, this is the first year I've done that. So now my next question for next year is, how do I move that forward, that, that chess piece forward to move those students to to be because one of the students uh, interviewed his name is Cody he I said what is the definition of an athlete mm. he says you're an athlete okay what is your definition he says can they play the full allotted time at a hundred percent that is in his determination so it wasn't physicality of oh he's lean he's you know da 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 it's about can you play at 100% you know for the full game and I'm like that's a good definition mm. that is you know so I'm queried how do you how do you move that forward and then another standard what I'm using is is you know the supply chain that we have in New Zealand is huge mm. you know how the food comes from the paddock to the warehouse to the truck to distribution center to you know New World or whatever to Sally Mae gets in her car drives there gets the vegetable to drive it home to cook it and I says that is such a huge supply chain and, and impact on the environment and I and their assessment task is about recognizing this and being able to make suggestions along the way on sustainability mm. and um, and building that into the the model. So I've kind of complemented them in the two different standards. Is it having a feed on uh, forward? All you can do is plant the seed. <laughs> you know, and then they're going to have to take it from there. Yeah, I also think you might be one of the only people explaining that food just doesn't come from your fridge. Yeah. Yeah. And again, hats off to you being open to do that. But yeah, that, that's why that relationship between, let's say, family and school, it's got to be a working one, eh? Yeah. You know, because... Otherwise, what's the goal? I mean, the goal is to not have them do something for a certain amount of time. It's to prepare you to unlock whatever's cool to you and go do that for yeah. money. Mm. And, um, you know, I teach, the students I teach are school students, but they're doing a level four at tertiary in yeah. digital media and digital technology. And I honestly spend about half my time trying to give them stories of how to explain it to their families largely maori pacific yeah and i don't think it's really been thought through that yes we want maori pacific and stem jobs but you know it's not all peas and carrots sitting down on a computer for hours and hours and hours no and if you don't have a, a network of people who are you know have internet and all of these things you're just gonna send people down a uh what would you call it, like a U-turn road, you know? 
and um and it's frustrating mm. i think that's frustrating and there's no real solution that's what i found in, in teaching mm. at south auckland s l one school mm. is that you know and even now teaching here is there a lot of difference between a SL1 and SL6 score? Right. And I'm beginning to see there is some differences because your relationship's different, but is it having an impact on that student? But then if you step back, they land on their feet. Hmm. You know, let time pass by and they land on your feet. And I think that is probably the hardest thing that I've learned is is you do the best you can, mm. you deliver the best product of learning for the student, and really it clicks or not, but that's up to the student yeah. and their future. And that's hard to, because you, 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 you want to say, you know, this, this is your ticket too. Mm. They don't see it. Yeah, and there's no measurement about it was awesome for them just to hang out with you. Yeah, I mean that is definitely because when you see them in the street, that's what's cashed in. Yeah, a hundred percent because yeah. they. I mean, some of the you know I was at uh, Zed the other day, you know, two one student I've never taught, but I've always had a presence. He's one of those colorful individuals, <laughs> okay, and another student was in the car and I taught him last year and it's interesting both boys hollered at me shook hands hey sir how's it going you know mm. and what's interesting is is that I never passed judgment on him the the first student even though I hadn't taught him I always said good morning and he had mm. the reputation but I never passed judgment and it's about having that disposition of non-judgmental, you know, fist bump, you know, hey, what's going on, and acknowledging them, but allowing the person to be who they are. Mm. And when they see you on the street, they remember you and they they want to embrace you, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's probably making him feel good. Absolutely. Well, they also recognize from what you've shared that that stubbornness allowed you to break the mold yeah and so many of us aren't able to do that yeah you know it's it's brutal yeah and it's hard to keep that positive disposition about yourself Mm. it's easy to fall into that rabbit hole of darkness because you feel like you're not making a head wave but you just it's learning to park that and put it aside and moving forward in the best way that you know how mm. um is the challenge of teaching i would say well, i think it's bigger that i think it's the challenge of everything you know um you were talking about nutrition before i've been i don't know i i'm an experimenter you know i try different things for so for the last 11 days i've had potatoes only be not not today i've let uh, we'll go through it, but my idea was I have an addiction to food as well. I mean, I'm already a big guy. The weight's coming down, but it's come back up, goes down, and that's mm. been the last however many years. But I know reaching 40, that's like time to get it under control because yeah. the negative outcomes are on their way. 
Um, but what I've found so hard is it's maybe food is too general. Taste. I'm addicted to variety of taste. Yeah. This world offers you every single taste that, you, and they mix them. Look at the back of a packet, and it it haunts you. They're 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 the true boogie monster. And I've I thought to myself I did some research on uh, potatoes, and it's a superfood. It's got all these nutrition, and especially if you have the skin. And there's this thing called a mono diet, right, where you just reduce everything else. And the magic takes over. Your body adapts and it makes these adaptions. And it's been, I've called it the, something like an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, how I, first of all, I would say most people do not know how to count calories. Mm. Most people do not know what a portion size is. Mm. And most people do not know how much macros are setting in a particular serving That's of, right. and they don't even know what the macros are. So if you start there, and so how I started is, is I kept a manual diary. I wrote everything down in the time, and I color-coded it. Red for bad choices, blue for good choices. The next morning, I took my blood sugar and weighed myself. And if there was a spike in blood sugar or weight, I looked back on the previous day to say, right, I think the cause of this. Mm. And then I start that day with trying to improve on from the day before. Mm. What And that kind of built success because I held myself accountable to those things. And so what I did know that if, because if you abuse food for so long and you're, um, you're, you become hypoglycemic, that your blood sugars is always elevated. Yeah. So when they drop down to the normal range, you actually become like, uh, so, so when you abuse food, you become hyperglycemic. But when you try to normalize your food, then you become hypoglycemic where you're, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, because your blood sugar isn't used to being in that normal range. Yeah. And that's where that, that, oh my God, I got to eat, oh my God, I got to eat type thing. So I, my advice to people has always been, a, you need to learn how to count calories. B, you got to, I would say, go by recipes. So one of the th a healthy food guide, that magazine in on the rack, mm. I, for the longest, only ate food from that because I didn't know how to cook mm. properly and count calories and stuff. So then that kind of led to this that led to that that led to that and then I the other thing is, is I always say keep it simple clean up one meal keep everything else the same mm. get into a habit of cleaning up that meal weigh yourself is that number shifting no clean it up some more make some more changes until that becomes and keep everything the same don't binge you know mm. and then move to the second meal to the third meal and that is, the, otherwise it becomes daunting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think the bit that's challenging, if I think about what you're saying, is that people look at where they are now. Yeah. And that requires steps and planning and process. Yeah. And for some reason, that's a mental block. And a and hundred percent. And tell you a funny story. Hmm. So I was on that journey of trying to clean up one meal. So I was going to make a sandwich and make it healthy. And I was going to put some lettuce, you know, that process, the process of laying out the bread and all of your things that you're going to put on it and opening up the, the lettuce packet and sticking my hand into the lettuce packet to pull it out caused such anxiety beyond and I and, and I had an epiphany I says I don't have the skill for this that I have to teach myself how to prepare my meal healthy so when I get to work I'm not you know going for the chocolate and I'm like I think most people sit in that that avenue they don't know how mm. and it's process and unpacking the steps is probably the biggest challenge. That's such an interesting point. Yeah. If yeah, because everyone's like, be healthier, be kinder, be nicer, be fairer. You might cause an anxiety if you tell people to do that and they reach into that bag of fairness and it causes a panic attack. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I like talking like this, because we're not really talking about one thing, but we are. We're talking about pretty deep stuff that's fundamental and I think that um, these those things only really reveal themselves when you chat to someone right? yeah. Tony it's been fascinating hopefully we can have many of these I'd like to have many of these with you because oh, um, you know one it's like a nice hack we live in a small town at the back of Auckland somewhere and uh, like I was saying to you before we started recording it's not that easy to meet people no. So now we're an hour in. We know each other for an hour. Um, you glossed over that. Did you say you're 60? Uh, 60 in March. Damn, girl. You look nice. You I look know. good. I, I'm. I, and the thing is, is I can't <laughs> see myself being 60. Yeah. I, I just like, I'm actually 60 years old doing this. And I'm like, and I feel like I'm 40. Yeah. You know, the best I felt in ages. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's good, eh? Yeah. Wow, so many things to um. Oh, oh, look, it's gonna. You've you took us on a bit of a journey, and I'll have to. In the audience too, we're going to think about this stuff because uh, maybe it will bring up more questions. But, um, anything you want the audience to know or to do or to you know to follow, you know, got any upcoming stuff that's worth people jumping on board and watching? I, I would say. Um if you have weight issues, you have to ask yourself why and take the steps incrementally on understanding how to count calories, macros, and having a balanced meal and using the tools of knowledge um, to get there. Um, I don't care if it's five kgs or a hundred kgs. Um, it is doable, but it's hard. And food is addictive. You mentioned also mm -hmm. about how they package food and 
and make it yum while it's addictive. That stuff is addictive. And the other thing is, what's the difference between a person who has a heroin addiction and a food addiction? We're so quick to throw people under the bus for having a heroin addiction, Mm. but you could say that people have a food addiction, so that's the lens in which I look at, is that they're all equal. And getting off of that is hard. Yeah, because it's a dopamine conversation too, right? That's what's... You mentioned your blood pressure and all that stuff can register high, and when you try and bring it down, you suffer. But same with dopamine, it gets released from all of that. Yes, most definitely, one hundred percent. Yeah, I've been noticing that with it's quite a radical diet that I'm, but I'm trying it because I'm like I don't like being addicted to that, and I want a short burst to get me off that addiction. But I'll sit there and I can feel that monster in me. Yeah, and it's like. <laughs> yeah, I hardly ever have that, you know. And and I I think the other thing is is you're always going to have false starts. Mm. It's the consistency. You fall off the wagon, you get right back on. Not next Monday. Yeah, you get right back on the next meal. You get back on and you persevere, resilient. You know, push mm. forward. Mm. And it takes. Uh, look, I had many false starts. <laughs> Allow yourself to fail. What a way to end. Thanks, mate, for doing Cheers. this. Thank cool. you. Holding my head again, making my way through crowded thoughts. Sometimes it's hard to get out of it. Broke my heart in the dark. I was just trying to feel something. Falling asleep to the sound of it. Always used to let you clean up the messes Down on my knees, thought I couldn't stand up on my own Turns out sometimes you're stronger alone Bringing out the fight, yeah, bring on all the lightning Cause I'm looking for a hero, look inside the mirror I find one, oh too hard pick it up dust it off when i fall down 11 i get up 12 don't need nobody else yeah i can save myself got burned but i learned our scars make us who we are now i'm 10 feet tall over my demons Remind me no one's got me like myself Yeah, I love me without any help I'm the best thing to believe in So I'm bringing out the fight, yeah Bring on all the lightning Cause I'm looking for a hero Look inside the mirror I find one, oh Carry the hurt when it gets too hard Pick it up, dust it off And I fall down a But I got a million reasons why I won't Cause this heavy is a season And the sun is always right behind the storm
Thank you.